Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick, how you doing? Great to be here. It is great to be here. Praise God. And uh, welcome. Thank you for coming. We really appreciate you from the bottom of our hearts for, for watching and listening. We've been doing this now for over five years, right? Yeah. And so for yeah. four of those years, we did the Torah portions, right? Because we are the Christians with Torah, as it sounds like. And as such, we are Christians, and we believe the whole Bible, from Genesis to Maps, is relevant for believers today, with an emphasis on the Torah, right? Because nobody else is putting emphasis on it, so why shouldn't we, you know? It's, <laughs> it's our, little, our little thing, our I little know. stick. Five years. Um, you know, anyway, so the uh, last four years we did the Torah portions, and then this year we've been doing the Gospel of Matthew. So if you're interested in a specific Torah portion, there's at least four episodes on those portions that you can go back and either listen to an audio version, or there may be even a YouTube version as well. Uh, So go back and check that out. But this year, like I said, doing the Gospel of Matthew, we're doing the second half of chapter 23 today, verses 23 through 39. And we're going to run with it. Yeah, let's, uh, I'll I'll read first, and you can just jump right in there. And of course, you can repeat what I read. Sounds good. With these fill-in-the-blanks that we have for our circles, our Bible study. Mm-hmm. Um, while he's going into the woes, here we go. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, Matthew 23, verse 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides, which strain in a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto white sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Mm. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. A bunch of woes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's some woes. I'll tell you what. So we talked about whether the scribes and Pharisees were in the midst of the multitude or not, but so yeah, he's referencing them. So so. at the end of chapter twenty-two, right? He he finishes, you know, his his going back and forth. Several groups of people uh, over the past few chapters have come and challenged him, and he just shut them down, right? And it ends uh, with that, with him addressing them. And then finally, it says that in no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. Right? So he obviously proved that he's going to be able to have a valid response to whatever their criticisms would be. So there's really just no point in even coming at him anymore because it's only going to make them look bad. Right? That's right. So then we start 23 
uh, with, Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying. Now, he's describing the scribes and Pharisees uh, all throughout chapter 23. But then, you know, you can kind of get a little bit confused here because it'll say, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Right. Right? Hypocrites. Um, as if the third group is the hypocrites. But I think that he's saying scribes and Pharisees, that they are hypocrites. <laughs> Although maybe there is a third group of maybe, hypocrites. Maybe they're among the multitude. Right. It's possible that they're among the multitude. We don't know. Doesn't really matter. Right. Jesus is making some points, and we're going to run with his points. So here he goes. He starts off with, in verse 23, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pave tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Now, I call this majoring in the minors, right? Majoring in the minors. I talk so much with other, you know, mainstream Christian believers that when I have conversations with them and they give me kind of some, you know, criticism of the way that we practice our faith, whether it be through, you know, preaching, you know, the commandments of God and how they're relevant for believers today and not eating pork and keeping the Sabbath and the feast days and all these things, right? And so they always kind of give us some trouble about that. And then I just bring them to, this is- Is this majoring in the minors? Majoring in the minors. Majoring in the minors. Gotcha. Right? In other words, putting the cart before the horse. Right? Wow. And so, uh, anyway, so when I'm having conversations with my, my, my friends that are, you know, mainstream Christians, and they're, you know, we're having friendly, come let us reason together conversations, you know? <laughs> we'll, uh, they always kind of bring up, you know, how the law is done away with, or, or some iteration of that statement. And... This is one of the verses I bring them to. This is where Yeshua says, hey, you're doing all of these things, right? All these little things, but then you're not focused on the weightier matters, right? And what are those weightier matters? Well, our mainstream Christian believers, praise God, are focused on the weightier matters. Judgment, mercy, faith, right? Obviously, our friends in the church and the mainstream church are focused on those things for the most part, right? That's true. I would agree. And, uh, and so for me, when I look at them, my thought process is this. All of us are going to die one day. <coughs> I take that back. There are those of us maybe that will alive, alive and, and remain. remain. A&R, baby. Together, in the air. That's right. However, everyone is going to stand before Christ at some point and call account to their life, right? All of their deeds, whether good or evil. And when we stand before the Lord and we take all of the deeds of our lives and we put them before him, he's going to light it all on fire and some of it's going to burn up and go away like wood, hay, and stubble. And the things that are remaining there are going to be the things that have eternal impact, right? Did you do the things I told you to do, right? Were you faithful to the call that I put on your life? Those, I think, me personally, I think that's the conversation that's going to happen. What I don't think is going to happen is, well, did you eat pork? You know, I don't, I don't think that's part of the conversation. Now, it may be like, hey, I told you this, and you didn't do it. That's but that true. the crux of that conversation are not going to be right. the, the, the little, you know, did you tithe your mint? Like, hey, listen, you, you, you may have, you know, tithed your, your finances, but like then when you grew a crop at your house, you didn't, you know, bring 10%. But he didn't criticize house. them for that. He did not. It's kind of like he did a little not. attention to detail, but that's a good point that he didn't, you know. Correct. Say, well, that's not right. He just, like you said. So I got a bullet point here I want to read. It says, uh, The Mosaic law required giving a tenth of all that one produced for the ongoing work of the Lord through the Levites and the priests. The Pharisees were so scrupulous in following this injunction that they paid a tithe even from their smallest garden crops. 
Jesus does not say that they were wrong in doing this, to your point, but that they should do this without neglecting the far more important matters. God wants judgment or justice, mercy, and faith in our lives. So I think that this also goes to the point of the reason we do things, right? Motives are weighed by the Lord. So you could keep all the commandments of God and not have justice, judgment, mercy, and faith, according to Yeshua, right? Wow. Which, if you were missing those, then the, everything else you did was pointless. That's rough. Because you did it for the wrong reasons. He right. even goes on to say in verse 24, Ye blind guides, which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. <laughs> I know. Now, this Pharisee strained their water. This is <laughs> funny, right? They strained their water so that they would not accidentally swallow a gnat or any other unclean yeah, uh, insect, yeah. right, according to the law. Now, Wine, camels water. camels were also considered unclean. Meticulous in teaching about ceremonial cleanliness, the Pharisees would strain out a small impurity but swallow a huge false teaching. <laughs> they were ceremonially clean on the outside but had corrupt hearts. Now, I imagine. Have you ever seen somebody leading a blind person you know like, like a blind person usually will hold on to like their arm and it's usually a, a loose you know it's not like they're holding on for dear life right right I mean, it's just there's just guiding them now i think about crossing a busy street in downtown and switching places you know what i'm going to close my eyes and mr blind man you please lead me across the street <laughs> said no one ever right but yeshua is obviously making this point you blind guides you blind guides the, he even in uh, I forget which which the cha- blind. Yeah, the a few blind chapters ago right, we talked about right the blind into a ditch exactly yeah blind that's not good blind. right into a ditch now here we're talking about a gnat and a camel which I find that interesting two uh, opposites yeah size wise well and what we think about it like you know they're nitpicking right because he makes the point that hey you're you're tithing your mint but you don't have justice mercy or faith that's a problem you know. Well, when you are majoring in the minors, because there's no point in tithing your mint right. if you're not taking care of the widow and the orphan and you're, you know, not honoring your father and mother and you're, you know, uh, bearing false witness and, you know, you are allowing things to go on in your community that are evil, but yet then you pick on these tiny little things because somehow it maybe it benefits you or whatever. You know, That's I, interesting. I think of the temple tax and, you know, foreclosing on widows' houses, right. you know. Things like that. So then it goes on. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, in verse 25 and 26. Hypocrites. For ye make clean the outside of the cup or of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside may be clean also. And so in, in the English Standard Version, it says the scribes and Pharisees were full of greed and self-indulgence. Wow. Now, again. That's what extortion is, huh? I think of the extortion in excess. I think of this as they're enriching themselves on the backs of the people by putting rules and regulations on them. Now, remember we talked about the um, last week, because Jesus, right before this, he's talking about vows and oaths. Yeah, yes and no. Right, and how people would have to come and they would... Uh, ha- there'd be something they give up if they didn't keep their vow, so to speak, or whatever, right? And so, who's collecting that? It's the it's the religious leadership in this That's case, right? And so, they were enriching themselves through negative consequences for other people, and so they're extorting these people, and yet living in excess themselves. 
all the while kind of lording it over them saying, you right. know, hey, this is because you don't, you know, X, Y, Z or whatever, putting it back on the people. Right. And he even goes a little bit further and says this. And this is probably one of his most harsh statements, right? He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are likened to whited sepulchers. That's whitewashed tombs. All right. Which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. It's not good. Do you have in your keyword Bible here the, uh, the word iniquity there in verse 28? Is it, is it highlighted or no? I don't think it probably isn't. Yeah, 458. 458. Tell me what that word iniquity is. I'm interested. So the Pharisees were like tombs, which in Jesus' day could be outwardly very beautiful, but within held nothing but death and decay. So while he's looking that up, oh, you found it? Yeah, anomia. It is. So it is lawlessness. Wow, it's a lawlessness. So imagine for a moment, okay, Yeshua is accusing the Pharisees of all people (laughs) of being lawless. Okay, get that get that into your head. <laughs> wow. The Pharisees were lawless. Why? Because they were they had decided which laws they would you know uh, put above others, and they had created so violation of law, man-made commandments. Right? They had made um, their own rules and regulations for the people that they weren't even keeping themselves, and then they had ignored the true you know spirit of the law itself. Right which I find that very interesting that he's accusing the Pharisees of uh, being lawless. Wow. Because I would say your average mainstream Christian wouldn't pick up on that. True. Now, I saw this thing the other night. Uh, I've been watching this, uh, what's it called? Is it called Expedition Bible or something? I forget this guy's name. But he does these videos on archaeology in Jerusalem and in the land of Israel. And I've been really enjoying these videos. They're short, probably 12, 15 minutes long each. And he takes like a, a find that has happened in, in Israel and he's explaining it, right? Hey, this is where this is in the Bible. Oh, see right here, this proves. Because, hey, this name on this tablet, this means this. You know, they even found like Balaam's name on a tablet. Um they found, uh, anyway, so one of the specials he did was on tombs. And in Jerusalem, uh, just outside of the old city wall, on, I want to say, like the south eastern side, anyway, it may be the southwestern side, um, there's evidence of old tombs. Now, these tombs, when you look at them, they look like just a flatted piece of the bedrock. Because what has happened is originally that was a, a hole in the side of the bedrock, but they had broken down the top portion of it, right? And he draws it out for you and lets you see a little diagram of how what it, what it used to look like. Well, part of the excavation, I guess, back in the 70s, um, they discovered uh, a holding area. And so what would happen is families... Frossuaries. Right, right. Families and or, um, you know, communities would, body in would have a tomb, right? And the these body. tombs would be used over and over again. Um, and so they'd have like a, a space where they would put like a shelf where they'd put the bodies. And then a year or two later, the family would then come back, take the bones, and they put the bones back up underneath under into this holding area. And what's interesting about this is that there would be generations of bones. I mean, could be hundreds of years of a family's uh, dead relatives. Just a bunch of bones in there? But, well, they, they'd usually put them in some sort of a case or whatever. Ossuary or something. Right? Or they to would... save space. 
or they would also um, see the ossuary might even be too big, right? Ossuaries would probably be for like the wealthy, and then those ossuaries would go on like the Mount of Olives or something like that. But I'm seeing uh, these are like clay pots and stuff that would have bones and things in them, and then also maybe writings, right? Because like think about it, when you bury somebody, sometimes you'll put like a you know, scripture verse with them, or you'll put like a memento or something that was you know meaningful that you leave with the body, and then that would go in there as well. So they find all kinds of stuff. But the point is that because this is a family tomb and people would go there on a regular basis as family members passed away and they would always be going back to the same place and then that they would decorate the outsides of them. That's good. Right? So you would go to them and then on the outside you've got this, you know, maybe the family crest. That's or, interesting. So you, you got know, to see that for yourself. Oh yeah. And in, then, that, in that presentation. Think about it. And then you paint it, wow. you know, with, and they were whitewashing it to keep it nice. Right. But what's on the inside? Well, that's also a sign of a grave and different things so people don't get defiled. Right. But think about it. Yeah. It's dead men's bones are on the inside yeah. of it, right? I mean, yeah. all that's in there is dead people, right? Just dead bodies. Yeah. Wow. And so this is what Yeshua is saying. Hey, you've you've washed the outside, but all that's inside is dead, right? It's just it's just death in there, decaying, you know, Man. not good. <laughs> so I just found that interesting because it's it's a picture they would have understood immediately. So you read that bullet point already, didn't you? I did. Read it again. Okay, the Pharisees were like tombs, which in Jesus' day could be outwardly very beautiful, but within held nothing but death and decay. Let's move on to woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Matthew chapter 23, verses 29 through 36. You can read, and I'll take it from here. I will read. All right, so it says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous and say, If we had been in the days of our fathers... We would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. And I got to read verse uh, 33 because it's not on here. Sorry. Yeah, keep reading. I will because it's where am I? Verse 34. Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall, uh, shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous bloodshed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zechariah, son of Barchaeus, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Did you read verse 33? I did. Yes. Serpents, okay. brood of vipers. Wow. So he yep. goes into the woes, a lot of woes. They number them, whatever. You know, yep. you could actually break them down into bullet points. But um, in scheming to have Jesus executed, the religious leaders show that they are following in the footsteps of their ancestors who had persecuted and murdered God's prophets. Imagine for a second being so deluded. Okay. You're saying we would not have been partakers of killing the prophets while you're standing in front of the Son of God, right. the prophet of all prophets, scheming to kill him. Yeah, I know. That's what he's saying. He's like, <laughs> he, knows, he knows who they are and what they are, doesn't he? Yeah. How can you escape the damnation of hell? Yeah. Whew. Like, you've already been found out. We, I, know, oh, yeah. I know your motives. He's God. You know, and so, of course, you know, it goes into, uh, you know, he asked the question, you know. How can you escape the damnation of hell? How can you escape the damnation of hell? How are you going to escape? Whew, that's scary. I was just reading about yesterday in my daily bread about the, the, 
the issue of repentance, you know, how important it is. But they were clueless. Now they uh, they say, Wherefore, behold, in, in verses 34 through 36, I want to read this again. Wherefore, behold, I send you unto, unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel, the first martyr, unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. So Jesus summarized the history of Old Testament martyrdom. Abel was the first martyr, Genesis 4. Zechariah Zacharias was the last mentioned in the Hebrew Bible. I wonder if that's the, the prophet Zechariah, the book of Zechariah. I believe so. Which ended with Second Chronicles. Uh, Zechariah is a classic example of a man of God who was killed by those who claimed to be God's people. Rut row. Second Chronicles. I'm going to read that. Second Chronicles, chapter 24, verses 20 and 21. All right. Well, you're going to find Second Chronicles 24. Uh, what came to my mind when I was reading this last night was Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. And here's what it says. It says, these six things the Lord hates. What is yes, it? seven are an abomination are to him. They? This is uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. So it says, these six things the Lord hates. Proverbs 6 what? 6, 16 through 19. Oh, okay. He says, yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. And if you just go down and you look at the Pharisees, you'll be like, check, 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 check. All seven, guilty as charged. That's a lot. And so Yeshua is bringing that to them and laying it at their feet. And of course, he does, I don't know that he quotes this verse, but it, it obviously... He's talking about them killing prophets, you know, right? That's shedding innocent blood. Wow. Think about it. So here it is. Second Chronicles, chapter 24, verses 20 and 21. And the spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, which stood above the people and said unto them, thus saith God, why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. And they conspired against him stoned him with stones at the commandment of the king in the court of the house of the Lord. I didn't know that. In the court of the house of the Lord. Wow. You know, we, uh, we have this discussion. Discuss why it is more important to be clean on the inside instead of the outside. And I said here, uh, in parentheses, doing a personal spiritual audit. Um, Mark seven twenty, And he said... That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. So it's not what goes into a man that defiles it. It's what's coming out of us that mm. defiles us. Mm -hmm. So what is the defilement? What is it? It could be a lot of things. It could be. You know, it's, so that's... Uh, it's garbage in, garbage out, right? So That's Yeshua talking about Abel and Zechariah. Yeah. I don't want the crown of the martyr. <laughs> I want to live and do the Lord's will. That's right. I got eight kids. You got kids. Oh, I don't yeah. want to be a martyr. Got four, yeah. There's a lot to do. You can't raise up the generation if you're dead. Yeah. Right? 
You know, um, you can't build a strong community if you're dead. So I like my vision. Getting I, getting to the root, I believe, is what Yeshua is preaching here, right? Because there's roots and fruits, and <laughs> I've heard this somewhere. Who preaches about roots and fruits? It might be you. Oh, huh. roots and fruits. Oh yeah, roots and fruits. We got that from LL Ministries. Is that what it is? Ah, yeah. uh, okay. Maybe it was LL. Yeah, let's get to the root. I just attribute everything to you. Like, what's I give coming you lots out of, of us. credit. What's, yeah, what's coming out of <laughs> us, right? So roots and fruits, yeah, what's coming out of us? What's so Yeshua is preaching that it's about what's on the inside, and I truly believe that when we get to that judgment seat that I was talking about earlier, when we stand before the Lord and we call account, that he's not necessarily looking like, hey, did you wash your hands? <coughs> he's like, no, 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 were you washed with the water of the word? You know, wow. were you, were you, hey, hey, these are these actions that you took that on the outside didn't look great, but your motives were good, you know, yeah. or, or vice versa. Hey, these things looked great, but your motives stunk, you know, wow. and it's an abomination to me. And so this is the way the Lord looks at things, and that's why the root is so important, and that's why he's preaching about what's on the inside. Um, because the Pharisees were very good at, pre, you know, pretense, you know, being showing what's on the outside and, you know, making sure that everyone knew that they were, you know, very religious and very pious, but then on the inside they were just awful, you know? Right. And that's why Yeshua was so zealous about bringing this stuff up. It's very interesting. So what do you think about the, uh, I mean, it's interesting. Like when you go through stuff, what's, what would be a defilement? Mm, that's lying? A, well, is again. Is lying a defilement from within or is it, it without? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I think most people lie f- primarily because they first lied to themselves. Well, like what if you, what, like pornography, nobody knows about it. Is that defilement from within? So okay. because your eyes. All right, this is. I'm a just good, saying. No, no, like, no. But this is a good point because you know, it goes to a deeper, a deeper issue. Because he's actually coming after the. the of what? What is Yeshua not saying? He's not saying that eating pork doesn't defile you. Right. Right. Because that's what a lot of people have twisted those words to mean. He's not saying you shouldn't wash your hands. Right. He's using this as an object lessons to dis- to demonstrate to the Pharisees it is futile to do all of these things. When you're so evil in your heart right. now, right? So it's not that he's saying that... Yeah, because they're not doing justice, mercy, or faith. Because Yeshua would not tell somebody, hey, go... go." Uh, he wouldn't tell a priest, go work in the temple unclean, right? His father would not tell them to do that, right? right? And so we know that that's not the case. However, he is mentioning that there's no point in you being ceremonially clean if you're not internally clean already, right? And that's why I think, like the things that truly defile us are the things that God hates, right? A proud look, right? This is mm. pride. The, you know, what is it? The seven deadly sins? Is that what this is? Is that what this is? I don't know. Is it Catholic? I don't know. The seven deadly you know, sins? A lying, a lying tongue, right, is an abomination to the Lord. Um, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, right? Think about how defiled, because you're already defiled if you're in your heart devising wicked plans, Yeah. right? I mean, these are this is a defilement already. The outward appearance, the things that are coming out of you are a sign of the heart, because that's what Yeshua says when he says, hey, these are not the things that defile you, right? He's saying it's what comes out of a man, because from the abundance of the heart, right. the mouth speaks, Right? And from the abundance of the heart, the, the man acts, right? A false witness who speaks lies, feet that are swift to run to evil, and 
uh, those who sow discord among the brethren, right? So this is, these are the things that the Lord hates. Right. And if somebody is practicing these things, then it would be safe to assume that they're already defiled, right? Interesting. Now, are there things that from the outside coming in lead to these things, then back coming, right? Because of what I said earlier, garbage in, garbage out. And so when we allow things in, pornography you mentioned, right? The light is the body of the eye. Look at social media. Just look at, you know, every six seconds as I swipe, you know, the propaganda that's coming into my brain from the culture, right? The LGBTQ movement, the um, politics, right? Whether it be right or left, um, you know, religious things from, you know, so whether there's somebody doing yoga or, you know, telling you to do transcendental meditation, right? whatever it is, you are not controlling, like it used to be you change the channel, Right. And you had a channel and that channel, you knew it was, you could expect what was going to come out of that channel. Now it's all over the place, right? It's whatever the algorithm wants to show you. Right. And you think that it's not, you think it's set up for your benefit? No. And so that's why these things that come into us can defile us because what they do is they change our, our minds and our right. perceptions. We got to renew our mind. Exactly yeah. right. We have to renew our mind. That's exactly a good point. Exactly right. Boy, that's a good point. So, uh, it's my turn to read. Yes. All right. Yeshua weeps over Jerusalem is the title here. Uh, Matthew chapter 23, verses uh, 37 through 39. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, for I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth till you shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So there you go. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Thou who killest the prophets. You know, it's so funny. I hear people quote this verse all the time and they always kick. They always skip over the thou who killest and stonest the prophets, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they always go straight to how those I hope. that are sent. Well, they, they would say, "Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would see, I have gathered?" We're, we're a congregation that wants to gather. Oh, absolutely. Even the Jewish people. Yeshua says, that "If you don't gather, you scatter." Yeah, that's right. I think in the King James it says, "If you don't gathereth, you scattereth." <laughs> that's a good point. Thou scattereth. Wow. Um, so Jerusalem was it's, the capital city. crying over it. Of God's chosen people, the ancestral homeland of David, Israel's greatest king, and the location of the temple. The earthly dwelling place of God. It was intended to be the center of worship of the true God and a symbol of justice to all people. But Jerusalem's leaders had become blind to God and incentive to human need. Here we see the depth of Jesus' feelings for lost people and for his beloved city, which would soon be destroyed in 70 A.D. Now, Jerusalem is a place for God's name. You can find uh, many verses. I'll, I'll read some verses. Deuteronomy 12, 5. Yeah. But unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, mm -hmm. even unto his habitation, shall you seek, and thither thou shalt come. Verse 11 of Deuteronomy 12. Then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Thither... Shall ye bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the heave offering of your hand, and all your choice vows which you vow unto the Lord. Verse 21 of the same chapter. 
of chapter 12 of Deuteronomy. If the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to put his name there be too far from thee, then thou shalt kill of thy herd and of thy flock which the Lord hath given thee, as I have commanded thee, thou shalt eat in thy gates whatsoever thy soul lusteth after. Interesting, whatever you desire. So you know these verses you're reading, it's, it's mentioning the place that God chooses. Yeah. Right? Now, interesting little tidbits. Um, Abraham goes to a place, right? Yeah. Ha- Hamakom, he goes to the place, uh, to, for the Akedah to sacrifice Isaac as God commanded him. And the place that he went to is called Moriah, right? Now, Mount Moriah. Moriah in Hebrew means God chooses the place God chooses. <laughs> so we know even before Moses is speaking these words that this place in Genesis has been chosen by God. It's right. the chosen place. That's uh, true. What's interesting, though— All the way from the modern-day country of Iraq, Oh yeah, he makes his way to Jerusalem. That's correct. Mount Moriah. To that hill, yeah. right? To, that, to Mount Moriah, because there's other hills around. Now Where his name is. Wow. The Samaritans to this day, who only have the Torah, they believe that Mount Gerizim, where Hayavel is located, that that mountain is the mountain of the Lord. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, man. So they believe that that's the place that God chose. Because when they read the Torah, they say the place that God will choose, and then they believe that that's the place. Is there a misunderstanding, you think? Misdirection? Clear, clearly. There has to be. I, mean, I just read how many verses, right? Well, all it you doesn't re- say his name was in Mount Gerizim. But it, what it doesn't say is it doesn't say Jerusalem. It says the place that God will choose, right? So in, in nowhere in the Torah does it mention that the place will be Jerusalem. That's interesting. I have to go back and look at that. Mm. We know from King David that the place is, is Moriah, right. right? And we know from Abraham that the place is Moriah, right. right? So you can pick it up, but if you don't have the context of where Abraham went being Moriah right there, right. And, you know, um, and, you know, it's funny, too. There's a mountain next to Moriah called Zion, but it's a misnomer. City of David's there. Right? It's Zion is actually Is the city of David Moriah. Zion, and Zion is Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is Zion, and what's the city of David? The city of David is, is just that. It's, it's the city of Jerusalem. It's the city of David. So, anyways, moving on. So Jesus wanted to gather his people together as a hen protects her chicks under her wings, but they wouldn't let him. Jesus also wants to protect us if we will let him. Many times we feel wounded, outcast, lonely, or afraid, and don't know where to turn. We reject Jesus' help because we're not sure he can give us what we need. But who knows our needs better than our Creator? Those who turn to Jesus will find that he helps and comforts as no one can. Wow. And boy, that's a big, you and I have conversations about this all the time. Turn to Jesus, surrender, trust, all of these words. So easy to say, sometimes so difficult to do. Amen. It can be tough. And then finally, Baruch Abba B'Shem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And I always used to think like, well, if we could just get enough people to go to Jerusalem and yell, Baruch Abba B'Shem Adonai, then he'll just come because he says that he'll come, right? He says, says, till ye, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. But I guess... It kind of got like a double meaning, maybe. Well, I think it's on his way back. We'll be looking and we'll know it's him, and then we'll be saying Baruch Well, because the, the question that I have is, it's a question, are you coming in the name of the Lord? Mm. Man. So are you coming that's in the name question. of the Lord? I and hope that's, so. Yeah, I mean, that's like, okay, I come in the name of the Lord. You know, we, we watch these uh, 
movies like Kingdom of Heaven and the Knights of the Templar and the Crusaders and yeah. the Lord wills, you know, and they go after it, you know. Yeah. The Lord wills, you know. I don't know about that. We got to reconsider that. But that's very interesting. The Lord wills, you know. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. Baruch Habab Hashem Adonai. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. So are you coming in the name of the Lord? You know, what are we doing in the name of the Lord? That's it's, it's powerful. What kind of witness are we given and doing? It's a good what question. What are we doing? Wow. I mean, he's right there getting ready for the Olivet Discourse, boy. He's oh, yeah. He's, up to it. He's, he's about to lay in. About to tell everybody what things must come, right? All right, so what two points can be learned from Matthew chapter 23, verses 23 through 39? I have two points. I would say this after getting a great scolding from Yeshua. Um, God wants justice, mercy, and faith in our lives, yes, number one. Does. Yep. Well, if you're doing that, you're going to be in a good place. Number two, are you gathering or scattering? Oof. Don't isolate yourself. Amen. Amen. So not only is he bringing us together, yep. but he wants us to get together with Judah, so the Jewish people. So there's there's a whole concept of, of gathering. Yep. Well, they're not like me, or they don't have Jesus, or God's gathering. Yeah. He really is. God is gathering. So I've got three points for you. Man. I've got three. Go for it. My first one is, God cares more about what's on the inside than what's on the outside. Oh, that's a good one. That's very good. Rules to live by, right? My Number two. We have to be diligent to learn from the past so we don't repeat the sins of the Father. Right? That's true. It's so funny, the hypocrites, right? The scribes and Pharisees were standing there telling Jesus, right? Or, or they had done all these things and Jesus making the point, hey, oh, they boast in the fact that they would not have done these things that their fathers did, all while doing the very same thing <laughs> that their fathers did, you know? That's true. And number three, don't major in the minors. Keep the main thing the main thing. That's awesome. Yeah, that's good stuff. You want to pray us out? I can pray us out. Thank you. That was a good good portion. Lord, woe unto those who act like scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you've given us eyes to see and ears to hear this message and that you have uh, protected this place in us and given us your son and we just ask that you'll you know soften our hearts to receive from you and that we would have a clear mind to to see the the nuance involved that that these people were the religious leadership of their day and that we have to be careful that the religious leaders of our day don't end up being scribes and pharisees or if we are part of that that we don't do that ourselves and so we just thank you for this, and we just pray in Yeshua's name, blessings on everyone under the sound of our voices. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, if you want to reach out to me, you can uh, keep the conversation going and and uh, you know just put a little at on our, our comments, and we'll get them. And then also, uh, if you want to email me, you can email me at ryan at twopraise.net. Bless you guys. Have a great week.